So today we're put before the miracle of the loaves and the fish, and there's some things that I noticed in walking through this passage. Isn't it interesting that Andrew noticed that the boy had five loaves and two fish? He must have been pretty hungry. He probably was eyeing the fish. Probably was thinking that, well, I mean, the people out there, they don't have enough food, but at least we have this five. Probably eyeing it. That's the only way. I mean, how else would he have noticed? But nevertheless, in walking through this too, we find that Jesus, he must have had an immense compassion upon the people. Note that in John the Gospel of St. John, that is. Miracles are called signs. And this miracle is going to be a sign of what he's going to explain in a little bit. If you keep on reading the chapter, he's going to expound upon it verbally. I was also looking through this passage, and it's interesting that it starts out by him going up onto a hillside and sitting down, gathering his disciples around him. So it's as if he's going up onto his chair to give a great teaching. They're gathered around, and then it notes that it's Passover time. And for John, it's not a secondary point. Jesus is doing this miracle during Passover. And if you remember what Passover is, it is a feast that is rooted in a Jewish tradition. We know that Jesus preached for about three years, primarily because of this. Because John notices three different Passovers. The first Passover was at the beginning of his ministry. And this is a second Passover. And it's celebrating that feast which remembers when the tenth plague hit Egypt. And the angel of death was coming for all of our firstborn children. And when that angel of death was flying down, How did he find out who not to kill and who to kill? Well, if you remember, the Jews were asked to celebrate the Passover meal, hence the name Passover. How do you get the angel of death to pass them over? They were asked to not just eat the Passover meal, it was a special meal. They were asked to take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, and eat the whole thing. For some strange reason, they had to eat the whole thing. If they couldn't eat the whole thing, they're supposed to join up with another family so they can eat the whole thing. And they eat of this lamb, but that wasn't enough. Not only did they have to partake in this lamb, eat of this lamb, have communion with this lamb, but they also had to take the lamb's blood 
apparently they were really into blood at the time, they had to take the lamb's blood and they had to use a branch called hyssop, which is like a reed, and paint the doorway with it. So that when the angel of death came down, it would see, that's a house that I'm not going into. Oh, that's a house I'm not going into. And so when he's citing this passage, it's an important one. It is the most important of the feasts of the Jews. And he's reminding us that just before, at the last Passover, John the Baptist said, when pointing to Jesus, Behold the Lamb. And now, he's giving this bread and fish. He's breaking it. And actually, the word he says, he says, he broke the bread and he gave thanks. But if you read it in the original language, it would be, he gave Eucharist, Eucharistia. Because that's what Eucharist means, thanksgiving. He gave thanks. And then he took one bread, or actually it would be five in this case, five bread, and he fed everyone from that bread. Similar to what we do in the Eucharist. Our one bread is Jesus Christ. And through that one bread, we feed the multitude. And I'm walking through this as if, you know, we're walking through a church in France or something like that. Because I just got back from France, so I'm thinking of that. And I'm pointing out, oh, look at that part of the church. Look at that part of the church. And so we're walking through this passage and looking at the different little parts of this passage so that we can get the architecture and the symbolism of the passage. And so what he's introducing us to is something different. He's going to give us a new Passover. As we're walking through the passage, he's going to talk even more about the Eucharist directly. Because he's going to say such things as, if you do not chew on my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. But we're not there yet. So far, he's giving food to 5,000 men. Notice it says men. So there must have been about 10,000 women too. Because at every religious event, there's usually more women than men. Right? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. But there was also children there, too. And lo and behold, among this multitude of people, this multitude of people, he's able to feed them all. And you know, if you're really hungry, and you have trouble finding food, and this man seems like almost magically produces his food for you so much that you're now full, you'd be pretty excited. A quick way to a man's heart is through food. Mm, it's true. I once heard that about a bishop. 
in France, too. Now that we're talking about France. The sisters would feed him. They always ask him for something right after he eats. I thought that was funny. I thought that was very funny. Uh, but nevertheless, a quick way to a human person's heart is food, of course. And so they get really excited. And they say, finally, this is the one. Let's make him a king. And they miss the boat a little bit. They get so excited about it. I understand. If someone's able to produce food without having to work for it, that's pretty good. They also start to think, maybe this is the one. This is the one that's going to save us from Rome. From all the bad forms of government out there. The one that is going to take away all the oppressors. So that we, the little people, can survive. They start to think that way. And what does Jesus do? It's a very important part of the Bible. It's good to always remember this passage. This passage explicitly says that he did not come to establish this kingdom that we are so much looking for. It says, Jesus, who could see that they were about to come to take him by force and make him a king, he escapes back into the hills. And later on, he's going to say, you want bread of the earth, but I've come to give you a different bread. He escapes. He runs away. He says, I will not allow you to make me a king like that. Later on, he will become a king. But his king is going, kingship is going to be with the crown of thorns. His kingship is going to be totally different. He did not come onto this earth to make sure that we have heaven on earth. I've often heard people preach about a prosperity gospel. That if you follow Christ, your bank account will be full. That if you follow Christ, you will be perfectly healthy. And the funny part about it is, it seems like they haven't even read the gospel. Because the gospel is pretty clear. Jesus says, if you wish to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. Which means that's not nice. I don't want to pick up my cross. You know? It's not like all of a sudden everything is perfect. He did not come to take away every bit of sickness. Sometimes he does. But that wasn't his intention. He came to give, give meaning to this world. He came to transform sickness. He came to make it into something entirely new. Something that leads us to love. Something that leads us to truth and goodness. Something that can be beautiful. That hunger is no longer just this terrible thing. It now becomes a way for me to offer my life. Because I love you, God, more than my stomach. I love you, God, more than my poverty. I love you, God, more than my feelings. 
And so, instead, the people seem to think that he's here to fill their stomach. The funny thing about it is if God did that, we would, sure, sure, we would have a perfect world where everyone would be great physically, but he would not get rid of pride. He would not get rid of selfishness. He would not get rid of the evil in our heart. And so it's interesting. He runs away. They try to make him a king, and he says, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 no. I have not come to be a king like other kings on this earth. I've come to transform your life so that you might leave behind all pride, all selfishness, and that you might learn the gentleness, the meekness, and the strength of love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.